Good morning. Part of building a multicultural community is singing songs that are difficult and worshiping together in different ways. And so I wanted to say, if the words spoken here today move you to speak out, to give some verbal affirmation, that is most welcome. And it is also welcome if you sit there quietly and take it all in. Yes. <laughs> Leading by example, I like it. So Unitarian Universalism is a story. It is the story of Emerson, of Margaret Fuller, of our Unitarian Universalist Seven Principles, of religious education. But it's more than that, too. Beyond that, Unitarian Universalism is the story of identity, of race, of standing on the side of love, of discovery. It's your story, and it's mine as well. My Unitarian Universalist story is one of race, identity, and self-loathing. Self it begins with a chat with my mom nearly a decade ago. Kenneth Wiley, we need to talk. I looked up and saw that oh-so-familiar determined gleam in her eye. She usually had a very sunny disposition, so this could not be good. Kenneth, why aren't you friends with Razik Brown? His dad's a great man, you know. This again? Really, Mom? We're just not friends, okay? We don't have anything in common except that we're both black and whatever. Nonsense, she said. You're both educated black teenagers with if I do say so myself, brilliant black parents. <laughs> you know, son, next time we uh, drive up to Dallas-Fort Worth, let's give him a call. Yeah, right, I said. Maybe when the New Orleans Saints win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, this conversation happened in the winter of 2003, but it also happened in 2004, Summer 2004, winter 2005, summer 2005, 2006, and so on. You know, every so often, my mom would needle me about Razik George Brown, the other black guy. So I grew up in Unitarian Universalism. I'm a lifelong UU, and I did Wire UU when I was a teenager, and I understand our Wire UU group is in the house today, hanging out with us. So that's really good to see. There, a lot of them are over there. And I grew up in Texas, as I've said here before. The Unitarian Universalist community in the Southwest is very close-knit. Yes. <laughs> you know, why, you might ask. And it's because there aren't that many of us. You know, it's not like here where, you know, the first, uh, I guess it was like, the third week I was here, I went running and got lost and ended up at the Unitarian Church in Arlington. And so I just went the wrong way on Mass Ave. And, uh, you know, there's UUs everywhere here. And it's not like that in the Southwest. My family was always very involved. And there were never more than a handful of black folks 
we made up the majority of the black delegation at most events. One of them was always Razik Brown. The last time I went back to Houston over winter break, I was going through some old family pictures and I found some from the 1996 uh, Swoosie summer camp when I was eight. And sure enough, in a picture of me and my mom, there Razik was in the background, tongue stuck out, doing what youngsters these days call photobombing. <laughs> As we came to our teenage years, Razik and I were determined not to be friends. You know, I loved and love the Southwest UU community. I despised Razik Brown. Not really, of course. Who I really hated was myself. You know, it really hurts to say this now, but I hated being black back then. I really wanted out. In junior high school, I was an equal opportunity punching bag. Kids of all races weirded out by the fact that I looked black but sounded white. They made fun of me pretty often. And as I moved into high school, I dealt with race by being the exception. I was different. I was special. I was the nice, non-threatening black guy. I was the Allstate guy, if you will. I put up with offensive comments from white friends and black friends alike because to challenge them meant risking losing them, especially the white friends. And you know, Razik's presence messed that up. Razik's presence at church rallies meant that I couldn't hide. You know, he never made any race-related comments to me, but he didn't have to. And it turned out he was going through much the same thing. He was always black, like me, and he was always there. Seeing him made me admit a terrible truth. I wanted out of this burden. I just knew that I was going to get made fun of by the other black kids. I was so afraid of being called a sellout for hanging out with white friends. And I was also afraid that, and thought that if my white friends had the idea that I had too many black friends, that they wouldn't like me anymore. And I feared that if Razik and I became friends, my white UU friends would suddenly notice my blackness. But as I got older, I realized that despite my best efforts, the secret was out. <laughs> I became aware that even though I had grown up in this faith, I was having a different experience from my white peers, which is not to suggest that all white people have the same experience. We know that's not true at all. It seemed that people in my community couldn't really understand why things were hard, why I felt so challenged, they didn't understand about the small jokes people made, that people seemed to quote at me the Dave Chappelle show lines a little too often, that I got called defensive whenever I started to question the racial makeup of our religion, or my mostly white high school, or really when I brought race up at all. I started to feel alone. Apparently, I was not alone. After years of avoiding each other and of painfully awkward small talk, Razik Brown and I broke the ice 
After a youth rally in Fort Worth in Texas in 2007, we all went to IHOP before heading home. It was a tradition for us. It was my final youth rally as a YRU-Ewer. And for some reason, maybe it was that we were 18 instead of 15, or because my mom and his dad had pestered us for so long about this. As we all waited to be seated, Razik Brown and I actually stopped to talk. He got the conversation starting. So man, why, why don't we hang knowing the answer? And I said, I didn't think we should try to be friends just because we're both black. You know, I thought the same thing. We sat there and looked at each other, and I said, you know, that seems like a pretty dumb reason to avoid each other. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Razik replied. He said, it's funny. That's what my dad's been telling me. And you know, we've been best friends ever since. This, my friends, is a Unitarian Universalist story. My friendship with Razik Brown has been so vital. He just gets it, and me. We share a common experience. Is it just because we're black? Of course not. But we have a shared experience. We've been two black males navigating mostly white churches, mostly white schools, mostly white sports teams, mostly white dating scenes. And it's nice to talk with someone who understands and shares your faith, your race, and your hopes. You know, at First Parish, as with many Unitarian Universalist churches across the country, there is, I think, something happening. And you can feel it in the worship service this morning and in others. There's a real push toward a more multicultural, multi-generational faith. That conversation is happening beyond Unitarian Universalism. And thank goodness. We need sermons and conversations about why it matters that we have multicultural, multiracial community in our churches, in our schools, in our lives. We need to learn about privilege and various forms of oppression. And here we are doing that, and we need to do so much more. That's not why I'm here this morning. Well, yes it is, but not exactly. I'm here to tell my Unitarian Universalist story, and I'm here because I want you to do the same. Part of why I phrased it this way is because I speak for myself and not black folks everywhere. You know, I, I feel bad for black pundits on cable TV who get called in to answer some, various, some variation of this question. So Sheila, uh, how do black people feel about, I don't know, let's pick something, Hillary Clinton? I mean, what's she supposed to say? Oh, well, sorry, Brian. Uh, we didn't get to her on our weekly conference call, but <laughs> don't worry, she's on next week's agenda. <laughs> However, I will say this. Some people of color in Unitarian, in Unitarian Universalist churches and beyond, whatever our age, often battle a sense of double isolation. On the one hand, we recognize that we're somehow different from the white folks in our churches despite our theological sim uh, similarities. But as I've outlined, we may feel cut off from our racial identity group. Going to a mostly white church, a non-Christian church, 
has in the past left me feeling out in the cold when interacting with some of my black peers. Being told you're not really black by folks black, white, and other, it adds up. It's like being told you don't really count. And I think this is where Unitarian Universalism comes in, friends, because I do count. Everybody counts. I bring the sense of double isolation because I believe that Unitarian Universalism can do something about it. And I don't just mean with people of color, identity groups, or support groups, or drum, although that needs to be a huge part of the conversation. I mean everybody. Opening the, opening the door wider means listening to whoever comes in. Friends, much is at stake here. This move towards a multicultural community can't just be about us. People are seeking our message that everybody matters, that everyone has, as our first principle says, inherent worth and dignity. And you know what? Not all those people who need to hear that message, they're not all white. They're not all middle-aged. They're not all NPR listeners, great as it is. It's true. People from all walks of life, folks who have been hurt, folks who have been left behind, some are looking for a faith that says, you know, you're not only saved if you do this or believe that or change these things about yourself, but because you are of the divine, you are loved beyond belief. My Unitarian Universalist story is about me, it's about Razik Brown, and it's about overcoming that self-loathing. We all have our own stories, you, you, or not. Maybe your story is that your family won't fully accept your gender identity or your romantic partner. Maybe you've been wounded by your religious upbringing. Maybe yours is a tale of grief, loss, abuse, loneliness. Maybe your story is that things have been fine, but you have found a way to be an ally, or you'd like to find a way. My Unitarian Universalist story is ever-changing, and it took a drastic turn one warm night last summer. This past July, as I ran down Harvard Street near, my, near the yard, my faith was tested. And if you had a Boston Globe subscription last summer, or really, I guess, an internet connection, you may know where this story's headed. As I ran to catch a bus that night, I passed by a group of four strangers, just a bit younger than me, I guess 18 to 20, somewhere in there. And as I, they were white. And as I ran by, one of the guys, a white guy, yelled out, Hey, bro, you running from the cops or something? And a woman added, would you steal this time? I briefly confronted them, told them that their words were inappropriate. They told me to lighten up, to take a joke, like it was somehow my fault that they'd stopped and said what they did. I realized quickly that they weren't going to get my point and filled with anger and, yes, humiliation, I went on. 
And as I hinted, the incident was well-documented. I wrote a Facebook note about it that was shared over 600 times. The Boston Globe version shared over 5,000 times. My words about what happened and my thoughts can be found online or on the church bulletin board in the hallway. But something I didn't mention when I wrote that piece and I haven't really talked about much since is what happened between that night and when I sat down to write about 36 hours later. Frustrated and dejected, I texted a few close friends telling them what happened. Razik Brown was among them. He called me back almost right away. And I picked up and he just said, whoa, man. And there was silence. Talk to me, he said. He listened to what happened and then when I paused, said, yeah. Makes you feel tired, doesn't it? And he was right. I felt tired. People of color, like women, LGBTQ folks, and others, often feel tired. We're tired of defending ourselves. We're tired of discrimination that comes out of nowhere. We're tired of trying to convince people that privilege and discrimination are real. That as Kanye West says, racism's still alive. They just be concealing it. We're tired of comments at the end of articles and avoiding comments under YouTube videos. We're tired of agonizing whether to post something online and watching our privileged friends not understand. We're tired. We are all of us tired. And that July night, I was about as tired as I've ever been. Razik asked me if I was gonna write anything about it. He knows I like to write. And I told him no. Think it over, he said before we hung up. And then I got two phone calls from two other Unitarian Universalists that changed my mind. My close friends, Bryce and Anna, and Anna is here today, who also got my lengthy text about the incident, called me up pretty much back to back. Bryce is half white, half Filipino. Anna is white. Both are trained in anti-racist, anti-oppression work, and they sought to support in that moment. And I'll tell you, that night, it made all the difference. My three Unitarian Universalist friends, and later, many other Unitarian Universalist friends, they got it. You got it. Through them, I got a little hope. Through them, I got a little energy, and I decided to speak up, to say something. I needed my faith that night, and I needed my religious community. And I think that's what we're really talking about here. We're talking about building a faith where people can heal and be healed, love and be loved, learn and be taught, grow and feed others. We have the framework in our Unitarian Universalist principles, in our covenant, in our mission statement, in one another, it's all there for the taking. It's all here for the taking. My friends and I, different music might pump us up or we might want to worship in different ways. 
My friend Bryce listens to Jim Croce and the Mamas and the Papas. And until we went on a road trip, I didn't even know who that was. <laughs> Anna gets down to Van Morrison and Tracy Chapman. I jam to Stevie Wonder. And you know, when I wrote that, I said, wow, that makes us sound like 52 instead of 25, but <laughs> you know, we have our tastes. And Razik, he can't get enough of most deaf. But we are, all of us, Unitarian Universalists. And figuring out a way to worship together, to widen the net, if you will, it matters. That night in July, my, as strangers tested me, my faith and my religious community saved me in that moment. My Unitarian Universalist belief that every person has worth and dignity, even if they're saying racist things, it saved me that night. Not only that, my faith community saved me. Through them, I got a little energy. And now I have a little energy when it comes to being an ally for others, because after all, I have a lot of privilege. I've got a little energy. And I think we've all got a little energy to help our fellow human beings. And when it comes to gender discrimination, I've got a little energy. When it comes to marriage equality, I've got a little energy. When it comes to LGBTQ rights, I've got a little energy. When it comes to immigration justice, I've got a little energy. When it comes to ableism, I've got a little energy. When it comes to ageism, I've got a little energy. When it comes to standing on the side of love, I've got a little energy. When it comes to peace, I've got a little energy. When it comes to love, I've got a little energy. And I suspect from the energy I'm feeling in this room right now that I am not alone. The stakes are high, First Parish. We must tell our stories. We must listen to other stories. With listening comes understanding, and with understanding comes help and hope. The poet Mary Oliver wrote, tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Let's do that, and then some. Tell me about hope, yours, and I will tell you mine. Tell me about love, yours, and I will tell you mine. Tell me about faith, yours, and I will tell you mine. Tell me about family, yours, and I will tell you mine. We've got, all of us in here, a little energy. Let's tell our stories. Amen and blessed be.